0: Potential dynamics—the framework of looking at life and looking at how to improve your work habits. Uh, my name is Reed McCollum. I'm your host, and I am here with Mr. Derek Hudson, who came up with the framework and has much to say about it. Derek, are you all right this morning?
1: You know I am, but it's uh, this is going to be an this is going to be a, a tender conversation, I think. Um, I think so too. It's uh, I,
0: sobering indeed.
1: I, I'm really happy to have Mackenzie Brown with us today. Um, Mackenzie and I used to work at Edmonton Economic Development, um, and Mackenzie joined us. Um, now, I actually, I have to tell this story, Mackenzie. Uh, I hope you don't mind, but M- Mackenzie was uh, seconded from the Provincial Tourism Department to work at Edmonton Economic Development And she made a presentation at a staff meeting on what she did. And then in the meeting, she asked for a job. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, that's, that's a woman after my own heart. I
0: obviously she's worth it. I would just like to point out that Mackenzie, thank you for joining us today. And uh, I understand you're from the indigenous tourism Bureau. Is that right?
2: Yes. I work with indigenous tourism, Alberta.
1: And, M- Mackenzie, just for us, in- is Indigenous Tourism Alberta an independent organization then?
2: Yeah, so we are a not-for-profit membership-based organization. Uh, we do get funding from a couple different avenues, you know, from the federal government, the provincial government, uh, but we are a not-for-profit.
1: So Mackenzie got that job that she asked for in, in front of a whole bunch of people, and uh, uh, so that's, I, I got a chance to work with her. I tended um, Indigenous awareness training that Mackenzie put on—it's fantastic—and and so as we thought about having guests on season two, um, I really wanted to to talk to Mackenzie, and that that thought came to me before the discovery of the unmarked graves in and Kamloops. And today we have other information about. Uh, yesterday it was it was in Quebec, and now it's Saskatchewan. And so I think our hearts are reeling a little bit here with the magnitude of this tragedy, which I think is going to be uncovered um, over, uh, over the days and weeks ahead. So the first question that we asked Mackenzie off air, but are you okay to carry on with the conversation today, Mackenzie?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, Our communities right now are, We're grieving, you know, typically, typically it's traditional that we take an entire year actually to, to grieve, but I think we've just been so overwhelmed lately. Um, so I appreciate just the, um, that emotional competency that you guys have had in asking me if I'm doing, if I'm doing okay, the answer is no, but, uh, the work that I do is really important.
0: I'd like to ask, if I may, Mackenzie, weren't these deaths that we're... I mean, we're finding graves uh, in residential schools uh, throughout Canada, uh, former residential schools, I I suppose. Um, But we're finding unmarked graves and bodies of uh, children. And I wonder if their absence was already grieved i i weren't weren't didn't we know these people had died if they don't come out of the school again and uh are we surprised i'm not sure the indigenous community would be surprised by uh the fact that there are graves under these schools
2: yeah so reed that's that's a that's a good question you know we have we have heard from our survivors we have heard from our grandparents they have been telling us these stories for years and years so I think for us as an Indigenous community and of course I'm just speaking to my own experience now um but I was not surprised but I think also just you know having those numbers still hits you Mm -hmm. uh and it was one of those things that when I first heard about the 215 children at Kamloops um at first you know i spent the first day just being like oh like of course we knew this of course we did but then when it starts to really set in that's when it's almost like we start to grieve again because uh it's so different when you're hearing stories as opposed to when you have that that hard evidence and i think that it's been it's it's uh ignited a flame in the non-indigenous community because i think that they truly and are finally starting to really understand because they've also heard these stories. But again, it's different when you, when, uh, the evidence is there.
1: Yeah. It, it becomes very real. And so, so Mackenzie to kind of, to kind of get, I don't want to get to a solution. You know, that's a complex thing that's going to take many years, but, um, I was in a conversation with some friends, similar backgrounds to me, Um, Alberta born and raised um, probably weren't as aware of these things when we were taught in school. Uh, It's not the way we want our society to be. It's not how we think. Um, And so the question was, so like, what do we do? How do we move forward? And in that conversation, one thing I I said was, well, I think we just need to, to get to know each other and to understand indigenous culture and its place. Uh, And then as I said that, I thought, and, you know and so what is what's the opportunity with indigenous tourism? and then I had already been thinking about bringing you on just because I think highly of you um, as a person. and so now we have this opportunity. so what is it that non-indigenous people who want to make things right uh, should be doing, could be doing and then what role would uh, tourism have? in that because it seems like a really positive opportunity but I don't I don't fully understand what what would be there now go you've got 25 minutes. So. <laughs>
2: Fantastic. Yeah, you know what those are those are really really good questions. Um one of the things that we have been saying is there are two parts to truth and reconciliation and oftentimes when people find out about certain aspects of the truth they want to jump into action because when we sit with uncomfortable feelings we feel uncomfortable. Um Part of truth and reconciliation is taking those feelings on and and sitting with them, um, educating yourselves. And reconciliation, I think sometimes people think about it as this big thing, but there are small aspects to reconciliation, such as learning the traditional territory that you're on, um, learning a word in the traditional language of the territory that you're standing in. Um, you know if you have monetary funds donating to some amazing indigenous organizations uh, even purchasing indigenous right uh, if you have a birthday coming up you know there's there are some amazing artisans all of, all across Alberta so reconciliation can be these small things but it really does start with truth. Um, there are some really amazing resources out there right now. I highly recommend uh, the University of Alberta. They have an amazing Indigenous course that is completely free. Uh, it's a fantastic course. There are there are books. Uh, I highly recommend reading *Inconvenient Indian* by by Thomas King. Um, So, so there, there are aspects of education that still need to happen before we can get into those kind of action pieces, but where my passion lies is in indigenous tourism. So across Alberta, we have storytellers, we have medicine keepers, we have knowledge keepers who are sharing their stories through experiential tourism. And so right now we have an opportunity to really learn about our own backyard, to learn about the stories of the people who have been here before. who and how to create relationships with one another and indigenous tourism gives that opportunity you know whether it's you want to go on a plant walk or you want to learn about indigenous cuisine traditional indigenous food sovereignty um, about the stories of indigenous people drumming and singing cultural centers you know there's we we currently have 158 members Uh, At Indigenous Tourism Alberta, which means that there are 158 unique experiences for you to go to this summer, next summer in Alberta, and they all want to help you to learn about our culture in an appropriate and a really fun way.
1: That sounds fantastic, and I'm salivating already. Now, one of the disadvantages of uh, the podcast world is there's no visual. But Mackenzie, tells I don't tells consider
0: that, that a disadvantage, by Yeah,
1: the way. Reed keeps claiming he's good-looking. Mackenzie, tell us what's on your T-shirt.
2: <laughs> my T-shirt says, I was told that there would be fry bread.
1: <laughs> so um, my father and my stepmother, uh, about 25 years ago, um, were sent as uh, missionaries for our church to the navajo nation oh wow and they lived uh they lived on the res uh, and worked with the people there for a year and a half and um came back loving fry bread and one of one of the cool things about the navajo is uh they call themselves the Dene mm. um because they're from Alberta and the Northwest Territories. My understanding is they kept going south uh, until they found some land that no one else had. Uh, and <laughs> it wasn't the best land. Um, so fry bread makes me salivate right there. So, you know. How I like can, anything with the
0: word fry in it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> and, and so one of the things that you said, though, was I, I can't remember what it was exactly, but there's like appropriate tourism experiences. And so I get that the members of your organization are all Indigenous operated.
2: Yes. Yeah. So we support 51% Indigenous owned tourism businesses. Um, And, you know, we have certain, we have certain protocols. There are things that are meant to be shared and there are things that are not meant to be shared. And our members, we, we, we encourage and we promote that they are connecting with their elders that they're getting permission from their communities to share these certain things and authenticity of indigenous tourism is also ensured through the active involvement of indigenous peoples
1: so if uh if a family or individual wanted either just out of curiosity uh just looking for a good time or maybe in a in a sense of this uh increased understanding where to participate in any of those activities they're they're uh, that's a respectful way to learn and uh, there's no um, sort of appropriation or stereotyping or anything like that involved in the kinds of things that your organization would promote
2: absolutely yeah and the thing the thing is as well is that you know our our businesses our members, they are 51% indigenously owned most of them are 100% uh the beautiful thing about indigenous tourism is when we see the economic impact you know prior to covid it it contributed to 160 million dollars of a gdp contribution so we see that economic impact where it creates economic sovereignty for our nations but then we also see those social impacts and they almost outweigh those economic impacts because it means that our people are making a living, teaching about who we are as Indigenous people, or living in their traditional ways. Uh, and I think that that's something that's very beautiful, and it helps people to reclaim their language, to reclaim their culture, to you know, all these different things. It's it's it's. I believe I believe that it is a. Uh, you know, there's benefits on both sides. There's benefits for Indigenous people. There are benefits for non-Indigenous people who want to learn.
0: I have lots of questions that you're bringing up through your conversation. And I, one of them is that if I want to see the stars, I go to a planetarium. Mm. If I want to see... I, I have in my mind, which may be my preconceived uh, prejudices as well, uh, I have... Okay if I want to see a concert, I know where to go. I, I, uh, I go to a concert hall. If I want to see a play, I go to a theater. Uh, if I want to learn about uh, Indigenous people in Edmonton, uh, Treaty 5 territory, ooh, ooh. Treaty 6? Tree, treaty 6. Okay. See, Treaty 5 was, was just not good enough. And... Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, being old enough to have made Treaty Five, but I uh, in Treaty Six territory, what where where should I go? Because I was raised here in Edmonton. Mm, yeah. I I went to school here. I uh, I live here. I have lived here a long time, and I don't know where to go if I want to learn specifically about an ind- indigenous culture.
2: That is a fantastic question I'm so happy that you asked that question having worked at explore Edmonton that was my entire portfolio was on growing indigenous tourism within the Edmonton area and actually Edmonton within Alberta right now is is uh, we're seeing the most growth happening and we actually just recently indigenous tourism Alberta signed an MOU with explore Edmonton as well to make sure that we're keeping one another accountable and helping to grow this sector So if you want to experience Indigenous culture, there are many ways of doing it within Edmonton. So the first, we have a couple different experiences that are culinary experiences, for example. So we have Kalina, Kalina on the Lake, an amazing operator who's like one of my favorites is Scott Eiserhoff with Pipes and he's actually just opening up a permanent space at the Edmonton downtown farmer's market. So that's where really? you can get all. Yes. So that's where you can get all your culinary experiences. <laughs> if you want to learn about indigenous art beating, uh, Edmonton has one of the largest uh, indigenous artist market collectives within Alberta. And they are also every Saturday, they are at the Edmonton downtown farmer's market. And then we also have experiences. So, We have Talking Rock Tours that gives uh, geological Métis tours within the River Valley. We have Reskilled Life that teaches you how to tan hides Métis beading. We have uh, the Grow Center, which is also an Indigenous-run organization, and Lance Cardinal, who did the big, beautiful mural in Ikea. That's where his studio is currently at. Um, So there there are so many places. There are spaces. We have the Indigenous Art Park in Edmonton. So if you want to learn about this, actually, I highly recommend heading over to Explore Edmonton uh, because we have actually built out an entire Indigenous Edmonton page where you can see all of the amazing experiences. And then last but not least, I highly recommend Métis Crossing. It's about an hour outside of Edmonton, but Métis Uh Crossing is the world's largest Métis cultural center.
1: Oh, wonderful. So Thank that's uh, that fills up the summer dance card nicely, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: there you go. <laughs> I've, I've made your whole summer plans read.
1: <laughs> so, so if, um, you know, we're, we're, we're reading the papers and we're seeing this news, and people are people are sad and they're mad, um, and and they take it upon themselves to educate themselves, including participating in some of these experiences. Uh, what kind of message do you think that, that is, and, you know, what does that do for the the Indigenous people and the, and the rest of, of us?
2: You know, I can, I can speak to my own experiences with that because I myself, I, I'm a, I'm a traditional drummer, singer, and storyteller, and I've done experiences within Edmonton uh, this past winter. I did some, some uh, drumming and singing and star storytelling at the Botanic Gardens. And you can tell when people come and they want to learn. You can see that intention behind them. And it truly means a lot. It means a lot to Indigenous people. You know, we always say that if you want to be a true ally, it means that you create relatives. It means that I am not only just a friend to you, but you are my relative and I will treat you the way that I would treat a relative with care and respect. And that goes both ways, right? Those are reciprocal relationships. And it truly does mean the world when we see people who want to learn and who have good intentions behind wanting to learn. It makes a difference.
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, so Mackenzie, the other topic that I'd like to discuss, and I, I really think that we've got tremendous insight and value from you today already. And, we'll make sure that we provide a link to to at least exploreedmonton.com's indigenous uh, site. Um, This is all done in the context of essential dynamics. And I, you know, I worked on that over, uh, over the past year. One of the things that, uh, that helped me understand this is this idea that in life, there are these uh, natural opposing forces, you know, and that's sort of the dynamic part of essential dynamics. And, uh, the other concept was that if we can consider the things we do as a quest, then um, the idea of opposition isn't s- s- so startling because quests always have challenges. And I think that perspective helps people get through tough times. And um, I'm just wondering in your culture, if some of those things, it seems to me that some of those things are are pretty prevalent in the underlying philosophies. And I just wonder what what, uh, what your thoughts are on that.
2: So one of the very first teachings of the drum, because I'm a drummer, one of the very first teachings that we learn is that the drum is the heartbeat of Mother Earth. And even more than that, it is the very first sound that we ever hear. It's not the sound of our heartbeat, right? It's the sound of our mother's heartbeat. That heartbeat connects all of us because we all have a heartbeat and that we all hear that heartbeat. But the heartbeat also reminds us that there will be times where the beat is strong and that there will be times where the beat is soft, right? So when you hear the heartbeat, it's that thump, 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 weak, strong, weak, strong, weak, strong and our life is like that too right there are going to be times where you have those weak moments and that's where you gather your circle of support so that they can carry you through those weak moments and then you have to remind yourself that strong will be coming and that strong is around the corner and when you're strong that's when you put those systems in place to help you carry to help carry you through those weak times but we can't have we can't have one or the other we do need to have both because they remind, you know, when we're in those weak times, we remember to look forward to those strong times and and to live in those strong times to not take them for granted.
0: I appreciate wow. that especially. Wow, I wow, I think that's that's very wise as as uh, you have shown throughout this podcast. And I certainly appreciate your being here. <laughs> I want to have you back at some point, if we can, just to discuss because what we raised with the questions of the residential schools. Uh, I want to know, in terms of essential dynamics, Derek, what has, what do you do when our, when the proposed uh, quest is uh, flawed, or in this case, evil? Uh, that the bodies were finding the attempt to assimilate. Uh, out of what was considered the best for the per, for the uh, indigenous people, how dare we make that assumption? And uh, was that not, in its way, an attempted genocide to erase the culture? And those are questions that we would have to save for another time. But I so appreciate talking to you, McKenzie. Who, with you, can see things with a clear with clear eyes that I do. A, I do think, uh, Derek, uh, of all your friends, is she, is she your smartest?
1: Well, so what, what Mackenzie offers here, uh, and this may be how I want to close on it is, is the wisdom of thousands of years of people who stayed connected to nature. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, we talk about drivers and constraints and, and Mackenzie, just even in talking about the drumming, there's a natural flow to nature. I I consider it as, you know, as a spirituality. And uh, one thing that we found out is you cannot get rid of that from these people. And so we should be delighted and proud that this is part of our country. And the thing for us to do is to come together and, um, I'm just thrilled that Mackenzie's so brave and, uh, and articulate to share with us today. Uh, one of the things that we can do to do that, and so we'll make sure that we let people know how, how to do that, but I think more of it is the way we need to learn more about the way we can think to be more naturally aligned with each other and with that spiritual energy that uh, she talked about. So Mackenzie, thank you so much. Uh, our hearts are with you and um, everyone affected by the news today and the past few weeks. We'll get through this.
0: Yeah, thank you for turning our anger into thought and consideration. I anger you don't. I don't know what to do with anger. Anger just simmers, but you've helped me uh, say, okay, how do I use this terrible news into to. Uh, metamorphose into uh, something positive. So thank you, Mackenzie. Uh, for Derek Hudson, Derek, where can people reach you? Derek and uh,
1: be welcome to uh, to communicate on all of these things.
0: And Mackenzie, if you tell us uh, just do you have a does indigenous tourism have a website?
2: We sure do. It's at IndigenousTourismAlberta.ca.
0: Please Perfect. visit that, and we're very glad that you visited us. And so for, uh, for Bryn Griffiths in the studio and Derek here, my name is Reed McCollum, and until next time, consider your quest.